Merry Christmas. Go ahead and take a seat. Grab your seat. As we said, Christmas has a, has a bunch of different Christmas traditions. Um, my family and I, we have a tradition as well. Um, it's not necessarily a Christmas tradition, but it has become kind of this like unspoken tradition over time. What we have started to do is anytime we're getting ready to go on a trip, we get in our packed mini everything in there, and then we take a, a shot, a picture of all of us kind of crammed in our minivan in the driveway before we go on our trip. So, for example, this was spring break. Spring break this last year, we're all piled in. We're heading on a trip, going up to visit uh, the grandparents. You can just see, what a perfect family that is, right? The children are in the back, all smiles. The wonderful, perfect parents are all smiles. So that was spring break. Then this last summer, we went to the beach. So same thing. We crammed everybody in, got all of our beach stuff in there. And same thing, took a little selfie in the driveway. Then most recently, uh, over Thanksgiving break, we went up, same thing, to go visit family. And so we had to do our unspoken tradition. That's us heading up to see um, the kids' grandparents and be with family over Thanksgiving. And when you look at all of those pictures, there's, there's a lot that's in common, right? Everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. The children are in the back saying, Mother, Father, we are thrilled to be going on vacation with you. <laughs> the parents up front are said, Children, you're such wonderfully behaved. Thank you. You're a blessing to us all. And they have their headphones on and their iPads out. And everything is perfect in the driveway. We start to drive out of the driveway. Parents, you know what happens next. I got to go to the bathroom. Are we there yet? He's looking out my window. She touched me. I dropped my iPad. I need help. And I'm like, we haven't even gotten out of the neighborhood yet. What is happening? But there's that split moment in the driveway where, man, everything seems great. And when I think through it, I'm trying to figure out, like, what changes from the driveway to the end of the neighborhood where just everything changes. Because we're still going to the same place. The destination hasn't changed. We're still all together, so the people we're going with hasn't changed. The reason we're traveling hasn't changed. So much hasn't changed, but yet still we move from the driveway to somewhere else, and everything changes. Here's what I think it is time because when you're in the driveway you haven't had to wait for anything yet have you we just loaded everybody up there's excitement there's joy there's we can't wait to go see and go do and all the great things we got planned that excitement exists in the driveway but as soon as we start to get out of the driveway and we start to drive down the streets and down the roads and all of our families up in the midwest so eight to ten hours later there's been a lot of waiting since the driveway it's interesting what waiting does to us. It changes things, doesn't it? Maybe that's your Christmas season. Maybe I just described you. You started the Christmas season, man, Thanksgiving ended, and there you are excited and hopeful for all the great things that you have planned for Christmas. But since that time, it hasn't turned out that way. Maybe that's your whole year. Maybe that's 2019 for you. Think back to January 2019. New year, new New Year's resolution, full of hope, and this year's going to be better, and this year we're going to, and it's not been that. We're almost at the end of the year, and you're still waiting. The things you hoped for and the things you planned for haven't happened yet. The longer we wait, 
the more hope starts to slip through our fingers. The longer we have to wait, the more difficult it seems to be to hold on to that hope. As I said earlier, my hope and my prayer is that this season, specifically today, would be hope-filled for you. Not just because, well, it's Christmas time and we're supposed to say that. No, understand, the Christmas story is the story of hope. Not a story of hope. No, the Christmas story is the story of hope. When Jesus was born, it's God making good on his greatest promise. Hope for us that he has come to be with us. So if you find yourself in a season of waiting, it's just not happening yet. It's not happening yet. I'm waiting. Find hope today. Maybe you're going to find it for the very first time. Maybe you've been looking for hope in all the wrong places, and today you're going to find hope in the right place for the first time. Maybe that hope needs to be renewed. Because like I said, the longer we wait, the easier it is for hope to slip through our fingers, and it's harder to hold on to. So maybe you need to hold on to hope again today. Or maybe you just need to remember hope. And when we remember hope, when we remember the hope that we've been given, we don't just get hope. We get the love and the joy and the peace that comes with that hope. So maybe you just need to be reminded of hope today. Because the Christmas story is the story of hope. If you look at the nativity scene, as we call it, with Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, they all experienced hope because of Jesus. Granted, they all had their difficulties and they had their own seasons of waiting and the ups and downs and highs and lows, just like we all go through. But at the end of the story, they all experienced hope because of Jesus. So today, we're going to look at another part of the Christmas story, an, an, an individual that isn't in your nativity scene, but he is still most certainly part of the Christmas story. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, but I'll put it up on the screen here behind me so you can read and follow along as well. The man named Simeon hears his story, a story of hope, but also his story of waiting. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was, there's the word we're talking about today, say it with me, he was waiting. He was waiting for what? For the consolation of Israel. Let me explain that phrase real quick. The consolation of Israel is a fancy word for the Messiah. It's the comfort of Israel. It's the saving of Israel. It's the rescuing of Israel. That is Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one that would come and save everybody. So he was waiting for that, like everybody else. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now hold on there for a second, because this is important. You don't want to miss this. So here's this man, Simeon. A good man. It says he was righteous and devout. Good man, but still in a season of waiting. Keep that in mind, because you might be thinking, well, I'm doing everything right. Why isn't it working out? Welcome to the club. <laughs> Living a good life, we're still going to find ourselves in seasons of waiting. So here's Simeon. Good man, a season of waiting, but God reveals to him. God gave him a promise. The promise was, Simeon, you will not die until you have seen this Jesus, this Messiah, Emmanuel, that had been promised and everybody was waiting for you're going to get to see him. And it's going to happen at some point between today and the day you die. Now, that's a great promise, but put yourself in Simeon's shoes for a second in that conversation with God of, God, that's great. I'm really excited about that promise. I'm looking forward to seeing this Jesus. Can you be a little bit more specific on the time frame here? Because between today and when I die, that's a long time. Can we break it down? Is it 
within the next few days? Is it in the next few months? Are we talking years or decades? When, God, is this promise going to be fulfilled? God just promises at some point between today and your death, you will see Jesus. So Simeon has to wait. And he has to choose how he is going to wait, just like we do. How well do we wait? Not very well, do we? (laughs) That's called impatient. We don't wait well. And in fact, there's kind of two postures we could take with how we wait. Let me set it up like this for you. So one posture we can take with waiting, one would be in line and the other is the starting line. Let me explain. In line, we wait in line. I'm sure you all have experienced this, especially in the last few days, probably. You wait in traffic. You're waiting at the grocery store. Man, before school let out, you probably waited in line at carpool. God help you if that's you. You wait for things, don't you? So let's think the last time you had to wait in line, what was your posture like? What was your attitude like? What was your demeanor like? You probably had your arms crossed. You start to pace and move a lot. You sway when you wait in line. Do you know that? And then you get the head bob. When the head bob and the sway both are happening, it's not a good sign. And your eyebrows start to do weird things. They start to do kind of this. And you start to do the head swivel of like, why are we waiting here? And you start to think about things and you're getting tense and your hands get clammy. Then you start to become really passive aggressive. You wait in line. Wouldn't it be great if they opened up another cash register? Anybody working around here? Asking for a friend. Start to act like that, don't you? Now, some of you just looked at your husband like, that's you. He's doing you right now, yes. Man, it gets tense. You get annoyed, you get aggravated, you get flustered, you get frustrated, you get discouraged, and ah, it's just tense. That's how we wait in line. Bottom line is, hurry up. Let's get this thing done. There's another posture of waiting that we see Simeon do. This is the starting line. Starting line, if you've ever been in a race before, if you're racing, you get up, you get your toe right up to the starting line, and you haven't gone yet. You're still waiting, but you're anticipating, and you're listening, and you're focused, and you're paying attention, and you're ready. You're listening for that on your mark. Get set. You're totally focused. You're honed in, and you're waiting for that one moment to say, go, and you're off. See the difference? Starting line type of waiting is I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm anticipating, I'm paying attention, I'm looking for what God might be doing. See, the inline waiting would be more of like an ASAP, as soon as possible, let's just get through this thing. Maybe you said that this Christmas, let's just get through this, let's hurry up through it. The starting line kind of waiting and the waiting we see with Simeon is not ASAP, but I would call it A-L-A-I-T. You've heard of that, right? Not ASAP, but A-L-A-I-T. If you don't know what that means, I'm going to have to explain. ASAP, as soon as possible. A-L-A-I-T is as long as it what? Takes. You're on that starting line. You're waiting. You're ready. You're anticipating. You're paying attention for as long as it takes. Two postures of waiting. Simeon was not in a rush, per se, He was paying attention, he was ready, he was anticipating, and he was willing to wait as long as it took. So here's what happens next, verse 27. He's waiting, we don't know how long he's having to wait. Verse 27, something happens. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts where the parents brought him, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him, took Jesus in his arms, and praised God. The wait is over. He finally got to see Jesus. The promise is now fulfilled. 
He praised God saying this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to all people, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. It finally happened. The wait was over. He was ready. He was paying attention and waited as long as it would take. And it finally happened. Here's what I would tell you. Yes, Simeon waited well. He waited well. But what I would say to you, and I think what Simeon held on to, is the fact that just because the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet doesn't mean the promise isn't true. Just because you're waiting doesn't mean the promise isn't true. Simeon held on to that. Remember that phrase that he said? As soon as he held Jesus for the first time and the promise was made true, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. In other words, what you said was true and I held on to that truth even though it hadn't happened for me yet. So wait well. I think we can wrap our heads around waiting in line versus waiting on the starting line and anticipating what God is doing in our life instead of trying to hurry through it, rush God's timing. But maybe the bigger question is, well, what do we hold on to while waiting? How do we keep waiting and waiting? In other words, where's that hope we are to hold on to while waiting? We see Simeon holding on to two things. One I just mentioned, that promise that was made. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised he held on to the fact that God, God's word was true and what God promised would become true and it would be fulfilled. Hebrews tells us something very similar in regards to the promise and the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, we're told, let us hold tightly, say the word tightly. One more time, I'm gonna wait for you to get it right. You see what I did there? Let us hold, what is it? Tightly, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Why can we hold tightly without wavering? Because God can be trusted to keep his promise. God's word is good. God's word is true. We can hold on to that. So if you want to find hope, if you want to hold on to hope, there's an order, there's a timeline you have to follow here. It starts with trust. That's what Simeon did. He trusted God's promise, even though it hadn't been fulfilled yet. Trust in Jesus. Why? Because he's the hope of the world. If you want to find hope, you've got to trust in him first. So you start there. In a season of waiting, trust his promises. There's a whole list of promises that God gives us. That he will be faithful, that he will be with you, that he will never leave you, that his grace will be unending, that his love will be unconditional. Go through the list of promises he's given you and me. You might be think, thinking, well, that's great, but I've not seen those promises lived out in my life yet. Well, he provides and he takes care of you, but I've not seen that yet. Just because you haven't seen the promise fulfilled doesn't mean it isn't true. Trust his word. Trust in Jesus because he's the hope of the world. The other thing that Simeon did, what he held on to, I believe, you might miss it if you're not paying attention. After he responded, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. This next part makes it very personal. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation, revelation to the Gentiles or all people. He personalizes it. 
It's not just, wow, the savior of the world. It's not just the hope of the world. It's not just the light of the world. He says, no, my eyes, I've seen it. I'm experiencing this. I'm living it. He says, it's personal now. And so often we kind of step back and we remove ourselves a little bit and say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is good. I believe in Jesus. He's great for them. No, and Simeon say, no, my eyes have seen and I'm holding on to him. So we trust in Jesus because he's the hope of the world. My question is, will you let him in your world? It's follow Jesus because he's the light of the world. That word light is used to describe Jesus, not just here. Simeon uses those words. But Jesus actually uses those words about himself as well. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, these are Jesus' words about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, if you follow Jesus, you find life. So we trust in Jesus because he's the hope of the world. We follow Jesus because he is the light of my world, the light of your world, not just the world. Simeon made it personal, and he held on to the fact that Jesus was his savior, not just the savior of the world. Jesus is most certainly the hope and the light of the world, but is he the hope and light of your world? We'll all find ourselves in times and seasons of waiting, and if you would say, no, no, I'm good. I don't have to wait for anything. Just you wait. <laughs> You're going to pull out of the driveway soon enough, and it's going to change. Time is going to be an issue at some point for all of us. So either we're currently waiting or we're going to be waiting soon enough. There's still hope while waiting. Just because you find yourself waiting, questioning, even doubting, that doesn't mean hope is not there. It most certainly is. In fact, hope and waiting are more closely tied than you might know. So hold tightly to that hope by trusting in Jesus and following him, making him your Lord and your Savior to your king. We say a lot that he's the king and I'm not. It's his timing, not mine. Is that as long as it takes. I want to introduce you to Ryan and Savannah. They're part of our church. They've been part of our church for a long time and good friends of Becky and, uh, Becky and mine. And uh, they've been walking through this story, but in their own personal life. They've been walking through a season of waiting for quite some time. And they were good enough and willing to, to share part of their story of waiting. What I want you to listen for is not just the story of waiting, but the hope that they found while waiting. You know, we knew we, all, we always knew we wanted children. Um, it was just really, really important to us that how to invest in each other. What does that look like? What does it look to, like to have a healthy, God-centered marriage? We really wanted to make sure we had that figured out before we you know, introduced a child to the mix. We just assumed it would be easy to have a kid. We, we assumed you know, having a, a child and in that phase of you know, marriage would be a piece of cake and, you know, hey, we're, we're ready, and it would just happen. I mean, it's when you hear the word infertility and you understand that things are not going according um, to my timetable, it's, it's a really difficult word. There was 
there was doubt and there was why and there was frustration and there was fear that the things that we desired um, were not going to come to fruition. I remember kind of bargaining with the Lord, like, if, if I do this, um, then, then surely you will, you will give, you will give us a child. The next month was another no month. And I remember in that moment thinking very unclearly, but just thinking how, like, like, how dare you, God? It was clear to us that God had promised us a, a child in our future. He had done it so many ways through prayer, um, dreams, visible signs, you know, asking for them. He, he had so clearly promised us a child. I had kind of been having this conversation with the Lord of, God, you know, you remember Abraham and Sarah and how you promised them a child and they didn't know when um, that this promised child would come, but they knew you had made this promise and not 30 minutes later, we got a text from Ryan's sister, and she had sent us a, a text that said, I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you guys, and I'm expectant for a miracle. And she said, I read this scripture this morning, and she said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to send it to you. And it said, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It's all we have. I mean, it's, you know, God, was our, was our hope. We're not going to carry this on our shoulders anymore because we never should have in the first place. Lord, you've promised us a child, so we're going to trust you in that. And it took us a long time to get there. Through that process, we were not on the same page as the Lord. We were asking for help, and we were listening to his promises, and, but we weren't getting what we wanted. Um, so we learned so much, you know, about God's timing. In our flesh as waiting, we think of waiting as this kind of horrible, tension-filled space instead of looking at waiting as a holy place. Waiting and hope go hand in hand, and waiting is a hopeful place, not a horrible place. As we tell this story today, you know, it's it's not about, you know, it's not about having a, a baby. It's not about infertility. It's about learning and having that hope in the Lord and learning to trust in the Lord and His promises. And, you know, the, the, the moment we found out we were having a baby was, was so amazing, but, you know, that that's not where our joy comes from. You know, our joy comes from a month earlier when we, we decided to trust the Lord and His plan in, in this process and, and hope in Him. You know, that's where we found joy and that's really what our, what our story is.
is hope even in the season of waiting. So if you are in that season of waiting today, know that this can be a season of love. Because he came for you. That this can be a season of joy because he is faithful and nothing changes that. This can, this can be a season of peace because he is with us. He's with you and he's with me. I mean, the very name of our Savior is God with us. Above all, it can be a season of hope because we can trust him. But will you trust him? Said it again. Said it before, I'll say it again. That's my hope and my prayer, that you would trust in Jesus because he is the hope of the world, that you would follow Jesus because he is the light of your world. Maybe you need to find that hope for the very first time today, that you've been looking and hope in all the wrong places. You will only find hope in Jesus, <laughs> nowhere else. So start there and say, Jesus, I trust you. No, I don't agree with your timing. Yes, I'm tired of waiting, but I will trust you. You're the king and I'm not. You're God and I'm most certainly not. Follow him. It's one step at a time. Maybe this is a, a day to renew your hope. That you've been waiting for so long, you've forgotten what it means to have hope. That you've been out of the driveway for so long, you forgot what those smiles were like. You forgot what the love and the joy and the peace even felt like. Would you renew your hope today? Come back to him and follow him. Maybe you just need to be reminded of that hope. And there's a lot of busyness and craziness around life. That's not going away. We need to get out of our mindset that, well, when this season is over, then I will. Man, there's always going to be another season after that. Don't let hope get too far gone from you. Let it be on the front of your mind and on the top of your heart. Let's trust him. There's a prayer in scripture that I want to make our prayer today together. Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and the peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you up with so much joy and peace because we trust in him. May that be what happens in your life today whether for the first time or again and again and again. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to do our, our candle lighting, my favorite moment by far. And underneath your chair, you'll find the candle. But I don't want you to miss what this moment represents and what this moment means. That this moment of lighting the candle is not just saying we recognize that Jesus is the light of the world, but we're recognizing that he is the light of my world. He is the light of your world. He is the light of our world. So may Jesus be the hope and the light of your world starting today. If you'd stand with me, grab your candle, we'll pray, and we'll sing and do our candle lighting. Jesus, thank you so much for this moment.
may we hold on to it, may we treasure it. May this be what we look back onto as that moment that our hope was found in you or renewed in you. Jesus, you are hope. You are the light of the world. But you are the light and hope of our worlds as well. So Jesus, thank you for coming for us. Thank you for giving us the love and the joy and the peace. But above all, we thank you for the hope that you've given us. May we trust in you every step of the way. And may we wait well for as long as it takes. In Jesus' name.